Uh, well, guys, I've been telling you, this series is really birthed out of a prayer, and that prayer is for who we want to be uh, in, in, in our city. And so um, God kind of laid it on my heart that in the, in the next 100 days, uh, that I, this is what I'm praying for. I hope, I hope you're praying this prayer too. In 100 days, we want to see the Lord add 100 people to our number. And, we want, and we're asking him to provide $100,000 that just helps us uh, make sure that we've got everything we said we were going to do when we started this building project, uh, that we're going to have enough money in the bank to cover the whole first year of interest payments, all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're praying that big prayer, 100 days, that's crazy, okay? So, uh, so you guys are praying with me, that, that's awesome, I want you to continue to do that. Um, you may think 100 people is a lot, I'll tell you that if everybody that showed up last week brought one person, uh, we would have had uh, over 520 people here or something like that. Like, it, like, like crazy, right? Just one person. Everybody bring one person with them. So uh, I just want you to know, you, you hear that and you go, man, that's, that's really a lot. It's not. It's, re- it's really not. Uh, it, it's really kind of a, a small ass. So, uh, so just be praying. God, is, God can do these really big things. And, and so that's, that's what the series was birthed out of. But it's based upon uh, this quote that is misattributed to St. Francis of Assisi, which says, uh, share the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Right? Share the gospel at all times. And that, that quote means, you know, you should just be living such lives that you never have to say anything. But the problem is, St. Francis of Assisi was a preacher. Uh, he actually never said that. Uh, I think we like it because it makes us comfortable. It, it, it is important that we live lives so that other people um, don't defame the name of God because of how we're living. That's true. But guys, using our words is absolutely necessary. Uh, Jesus commands us to go make disciples. That involves teaching others about him. So it's necessary we use our words, uh, right? P- uh, faith comes by hearing. So people actually have to hear the gospel to receive it. That's important, right? And then there's this great need. When Jesus would look out at people, he said the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. So we've been talking about that, guys. In the United States of America, there are over 100 million unchurched people in the United States today, which would make us the 12th largest populated nation on earth. Just, just the unreached people in the U.S. So, so remember, you don't have to go across the world to be a missionary. You can literally go across the street. All right? So, so that's, that's the premise. That's the premise. Now, here's the deal. Uh, when you hear those numbers, 100 uh, million people, it kind of freaks you out. That's a big number. So the goal this morning is to help you. Do uh, you guys remember how, how, how you eat an elephant? Anybody remember that, that saying? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So uh, this morning, I want to help break down that big thing into hopefully smaller chunks that are really easy for us to do. And so I only have two points for you. Imagine that. Now there's there's nine other things, but there's two. We got this. We got this. We're going to rock through. Y'all are like, I'm looking at the notes, Pastor. You are lying through your teeth. There's only two main points. That's it. There's just a lot of other things. Two main points. Here we go. Here's the first one. I want you to know this morning that Jesus often drew large crowds, but it was typically his personal interactions with people that led to lasting change. I'm going to say that again. Jesus often drew large crowds, but it was typically his personal interaction with people that led to lasting change. So if you read the New Testament, uh, almost any page you see Jesus, there are crowds. 
right? Uh, so Jesus goes out into the desert, and the crowds follow, and he walks into a village, and the crowds show up, and everywhere Jesus is, they're, 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 like he draws great crowds. The problem is, uh, Jesus usually says something in those moments that makes those crowds go away about as quick as they came. You know, stuff like, hey, if you want to follow me, you'll have no place to rest your head. And he's like, what? Uh, or, you know, hey, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, out! Um, and so if you remember when you get to the book of Acts, uh, when Jesus has already been crucified, and he said, hey, go wait for the Holy Spirit. There's only 120 people left, right? Just 120 people. So it's not the crowd. that Like, Jesus could draw a crowd, but it was his personal interactions with people that usually led to lasting change. And I would submit to you, I believe if you surveyed that room of 120 people, I'd I, I, I bet just about everything I have that every single one of those people had had a personal interaction with the Lord. Okay? And, and, and I want you to just think about that. That that big event is powerful, um, but maybe it's not as powerful as his personal interaction. So I didn't have time this morning to go through every personal interaction Jesus had. I thought I would share a few of them with you. Um, like, think about the calling of the disciples. That's some of my favorite stuff in the Gospels. It's always personal, right? He sees Andrew. Right? Hey, why don't you come follow me? Andrew's like, well, I got a brother that's dumber than dirt. Peter, do you want to come? Look, I think I found him. Peter's like, yep, let's go do this. It's personal, right? Uh, Matthew, tax collector. Nobody's talking to Matthew. All the Jews hate Matthew. Here comes Jesus, the Messiah, and he's like, yo, Matthew, let's hang out. Come follow me, right? Jesus was always personal. I'm going to read you two of my favorite stories. Uh, the first one I want to read to you is, is the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, we find it in Luke 19, um, and it ends with one of my favorite verses in the Bible. So, so Luke 19, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, He, Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was even worse than Matthew, y'all. Like, he was hated amongst hated. Chief tax collector, uh, and he was rich. Uh, now, the reason that's important, he was rich. Y'all, I don't have my other glasses, so you have to deal with this today, okay? Uh, I, I, I had them this morning. I don't know where they are, but th these are the backup. Uh, so, so he was rich because, like, listen, Romans required you to tax a certain amount, but if you could get more, they let you keep above what you, you needed. So he, he was, man, he was sticking it to his, his fellow man, so he was a rich dude. Uh, it, it says he was rich. He was trying to see... Uh, who Jesus was, but he wasn't able because uh, of the crowd since he was a short man. So he ran ahead, which, which like, you didn't do that in this culture. Uh, that's embarrassing. He climbed up a sycamore tree, even more embarrassing, to see Jesus since Jesus was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, come down, because today it's necessary for me to come stay at your house. So he quickly came down, he welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, man, he's gone to stay with this sinful man. Jesus always gets accused of this, by the way. Why, why is he eating with sinners? Why are prostitutes coming to lay at his feet? What, what's, like, always accused of this. And it says, but Zacchaeus, he stood there and he said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. That's way above what the law calls for. And he says, and if I extorted anything from anyone, I'm going to pay back four times as much. Again, above and beyond what the law would call for. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Personal interaction. 
Uh, I thought this week, uh, you know the story of Mary Magdalene, who often uh, we, we see Mary is with you. She's the first one at the tomb, by the way. She's the first one at the tomb. You know, Mary Magdalene has a, has a reputation uh, as a woman of ill repute, uh, but she's also the one that anoints Jesus' feet with oil or, or with perfume, might be a better way to say that. Uh, but if you read in the Gospel of Luke, it says Jesus had a personal interaction with Mary that at one time, Mary was possessed by seven demons. Jesus had a personal interaction and, and her life was forever changed, right? Her life was forever changed. I'll, I'll read you one more. Um, this, is, this is from, uh, where, where are we going now? Uh, Matthew, or no, Mark 10. Mark 10, 46 through uh, 52. And uh, this is a guy named Bartimaeus. It says, uh, then they came to Jericho and, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples with a large crowd. There we are. Jesus always trying a large crowd. It says, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now many warned him, be quiet, because he was crying out all the more. Have mercy on me, son of David. Look at Jesus' response, verse 49. Jesus stopped and he said, call him. Now everybody's saying, be quiet. You're nothing. You're nobody. You, you've been blind forever. Shh, you hush. And Jesus is like, you hush. I hear him. He stops. And he's like, call, call him to me, right? So he stops, call him. So, so they called the blind man and said to him, have courage. Get up. He's, he's calling for you. He threw off his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. I don't know what that looks like for a blind person. I'm thinking he ran into some folks. But he was heading in the direction that he heard Jesus. It says, uh, Listen, then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, the blind man said to him, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see, and he began to follow Jesus on the road. Listen, Jesus was really good at drawing crowds. And when it comes to evangelism, sometimes that's our approach, isn't it? We think we need big events, we like to see large crowds. We do. I mean, it's really cool. You do an event, a couple thousand people show up, uh, you, you have an invitation, maybe some people come down. And listen, I believe that's fruit. I, I, yeah, I think once somebody uh, truly gives their life to Christ, they're saved. But I'm going to tell you, uh, churches that put on those events very rarely see many of those people then get plugged in and get involved. What really has an impact on people is that personal interaction, right? That, 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 and so here's what I want to throw at you. What if it's not the big stuff, y'all? See, some of you, when it comes to evangelism, that's what you think. You think, you, you think like, hey, I, I, I can't do this. Do you know that they surveyed some of the biggest churches in America? Biggest, like, like these are the churches that all the other smaller churches are trying to model those, themselves after. And they said, hey, how many of you are actively going out and sharing Jesus with other people? You know what the survey came back? You ready? 10%. 10% of those churches, were, 10% of the people in those churches, big churches, everybody's trying to model after, only 10% were actively going out and sharing Jesus with other people. I'm going to tell you why. Because I think we have made it into some kind of big spiritual deal that it's not. I think we made it into, well, I've got to take a course, and I've got to know all this scripture, and I've got to have this, and it's got to be just the right time, and it's got to be just the right What if it's not that at all? What if it's about our daily interactions, and we should all be doing it, just the little things, well, all right? So that's the second point I, I want to share with you. I tell you, I only have two, and then some other things we'll fill out, all right? So here's the second point, main point. 
when it comes to evangelism, living out... Now, listen, this is a pastor trick, okay? Which you see on the screen before you. Remember, I preached two weeks ago, the Great Commission, co-together mission. I'm just trying to stick it back in your head. All right, here we go. Remember, I, by the way, English teachers, don't email me. I know it's not proper, okay? I did it on purpose, all right? And you can do that in English, I was told. Whatever you want. Here we go. All right, when it comes to evangelism, living out the great co, that means together mission of God. That's what we're on, the together mission of God. When it comes to evangelism, living out the together mission of God, the small, ordinary things really count, right? The small, ordinary things really count really count. So we, we read those stories, right, of Zacchaeus and uh, talked about the calling of Matthew and Mary Magdalene. We read the story, the account of, of Bartimaeus. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff. His book on David and Goliath is, is really interesting. I, I, just, I just like reading his books. Uh, he's got a book called Tipping Point, and, uh, and the whole purpose of the book is trying to figure out why do things change? Like, what brings about change in our society? It's really complex. And, and so one of the things he, he, he mentions is, like, he gets into, there's these three things that cause change, but one of them is culture. And so he cites uh, an experiment that happened in New York City in the 80s and 90s. Now, I'm going to tell you, this experiment, uh, they tried to replicate in other places, and they changed it. So, so when you hear broken window policing, just know that became something it never was meant to be, and there's a lot of like bad stuff associated with some of that. But, but initially, what it was meant to be is in New York City, in areas of great crime, uh, they said, hey, uh, the more we go after the big criminals, the worse it gets. We're having gunfights out in the streets, like this is not good, so let's take a different approach. And so they went into every place of New York City where there were broken windows, where there was graffiti, where people were doing the little stuff like jumping over the, the stalls to get onto the subway. And they just said, uh, police, this is your job, you're going to fix that. So police officers are like, this oh, can't stand, they're out fixing broken windows. That's why they call it broken window. That was your job, you showed up that day, you went and you fixed a broken window, you painted over graffiti, you chased down the people, and they just focused on the little tiny stuff. And you know what happened when they changed the little tiny stuff? Entire environments of communities changed. People began to go back out, began to love and appreciate where they were. And guess what happened to crime? The big stuff went away. The big stuff went away because people loved where they were. They were out and about. Uh, it wasn't uh, an open space for people to do whatever they wanted anymore. And, and it was just the little stuff. And, and here's what I'm going to say to you. What, what if... What if when it came to evangelism, maybe that was part of the deal? Because here's the deal. Jesus seemed to be into the little stuff, right? I mean, think about it. He's talking, and uh, the disciples are like, this is just for the grown-ups. This is just for the big people. And Jesus said, shh, let the little children come to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Talking about faith. And you can imagine the people in the crowd thinking about all the great things they must do in faith. And Jesus is like, hush up, man. I'm telling you people, if you have faith as small as the smallest seed on earth, a mustard seed, that you could tell a mountain to jump into the ocean, and it would, right? It's just the little tiny things that matter. He's talking about who is going to inherit uh, the kingdom of God, and he says, listen, you want a good example of the kind of people you're going to see in heaven? It's people that gave a cup of cold water, right, uh, to the least of these. That's what's going to matter. It's just this little stuff. 
So, so here's, here's my proposition to you this morning. Uh, because we took our own survey, and, and we know, I, and, and I'd, I'd be willing to say most of us aren't going out evangelizing the way that the Bible would call us to. Uh, we're not really participating in the co, the together mission of God. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago, if you're on the, if you're on the bench in this mission, uh, then you put yourself there because God intends us all to be active in it. I think we're not all active in it because we think it's something it's not. Right? When it's big, anybody else freaked out by it? Come on. I say, you go and make a disciple this week. How many of you are like, nope, I'm... Come on, be honest in church because I want everyone to look around. How many of you feel unqualified to make a disciple? Raise them higher. Don't do the little church... This isn't alligator arms. This is confession. I feel unqualified to go out right now and make a disciple. Okay, that's, like, that's at least half of the people here. The other half didn't hear what I said. Okay? That's the truth. 90% of the church in the United States of America does not believe that they can make a disciple or else they would actively be doing it. Either they don't believe they can do it or they don't believe God really called them to do it. Like something's going on and I think at the heart of it is we have made it out to be some grand thing that it's not. What if making disciples was just living out the second greatest commandment in all of scripture and loving people? And teaching them that God loves them. Can you, right? What if that was it? So uh, there's this book, and I, I know I'm mentioning a lot of books. There's a book out there uh, put together by people, and it's called uh, The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. I don't expect you to memorize all these. But here's why I like the book. This is why I mention it, why I'm going to show you. They pointed out nine things that Jesus did really well that were like itty bitty. They're like baby steps. They're like, listen, here's, here's just simple things that you... And I'm not telling you to do all nine of these, by the way. Uh, at, at the end, I'm just going to tell you, do some of them. Uh, you know, pick a handful of these things to do well. But, but let's walk through them. Like, number one, uh, Jesus noticed people. He just noticed people. He, he saw hurting people, right? When, when he looked out at the crowds, he, he saw people that were like sheep without a shepherd. He saw hurt. And, 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 and again... Maybe if you are too busy to realize that everyone you come into contact with is hurting and is suffering from some deep hurt and they just mask it differently, then you're too busy. Because when you look in the mirror and you see how jacked up you are, just know everyone else is that jacked up too. They just may have better makeup than you. All right? It's the truth. Everyone we come... Like Jesus just stopped. He noticed people. He noticed people. Uh, Y'all listen. I I get it. I, I am a... I come in Monday morning, I put together, a, especially right now, I have this, this list, ongoing list of all the things I need to do. I, I go back and forth between being task-oriented, being people-oriented. I've raised my boys, uh, especially I tell them, hey, when you get a job, you have to work at a pace. I, like, like I, I told you guys this story one time, I went into a subway, it was a soccer tournament, and the dude behind the counter, the sandwich artist, was taking the artist's part of that very seriously. And he's like, like pepperoni. Now, there are 40 people in line from the soccer tournament. And it took him like five minutes to make a sandwich. And I just whispered to my boys that day, I said, if you ever get a job and work like that, I'm going to come haunt you. <laughs> work at a pace. It's important, okay? I'm, I can be task-oriented. Like, I, like part of, of, of how I function in, in the job that you guys have given me is, is, is working at a pace, working hard, doing those kind of things. But listen to me, it can come at a price. 
And sometimes you can be so worried about what's next. And this is some of you, you get up every day, you're like, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this, I got to do that. And you blow past somebody that is in need. And I have learned that even in the midst of my busyness and craziness, that I've got to slow down sometimes when I find myself like that. And if you're not caring about people right now, you've got to slow down. If you're not noticing hurt right now, you've got to slow down. You need to make yourself a note right now. I need to slow down. It's going to be okay. It'll all get done. But I need to slow down, right? Jesus, Jesus noticed people. He stopped. He talked with them, okay? It's the first thing. He did really, that's small. It's a little tiny thing. Say evangelism. One of the keys is just to notice the need. Just to notice people. It matters. Okay, two, Jesus prayed for people. He just prayed for people. I, I, he prayed out loud for people. Like he would be there and he'd be like, Father, I pray right now as I do this that they would recognize that you are God and I only do this because you're real. Like he, he would pray for people. He, he prayed for people that didn't know he was praying for people. When he, when he said, look, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. That means Jesus was praying. He prayed for all of his disciples. By the way, he prayed for you guys. All future believers, Jesus prayed for. He prayed for people. We need to do the same, right? Jesus prayed for his enemies. Whew, there's one. Notice people, pray for people. Three, Jesus listened to people. I mean, like, he really listened. Like, with genuine interest, Jesus listened, right? And he calls us to do the same, by the way. This is, this is Luke 8, 18. He says, therefore, take care how you listen. Many times in the Gospels, you'll hear him say, anyone who has ears, let him hear. I uh, had a really good conversation with a friend that I needed to have a conversation with this last week. And, uh, and it was great. We got to spend time together. Hadn't seen each other in a little while. Um, going through some things. And, and what has haunted me, and I, I did a lot of listening, but I was like, you know what? I could have listened 90% of the time and only talked 10. And it was probably more like 50-50 or 60-40, you know? Man, we just need to listen to the hurt of people. Just listen. Uh, so important. Jesus listened to people. By the way, the Bible instructs us all to do this. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Jesus listened to people. But he didn't just listen to people. Part of that listening came with this genuine curiosity. He would ask questions of people, right? You know, part of evangelism is just talking to people. Just, just stopping and seeing people, listening to people, asking people really good questions. You know, some of the questions that Jesus asked, let's look at them on the screen, right? Like this one. Uh, we, we just read this, uh, Mark 10, 51. What do you want me to do for you? There's a question. Whew. Right? He's like, I'm, I'm blind. I want to see. He, like, Jesus knew he was blind. He wants to draw him in. He wants to build this relationship with him. What, what do you want me to do? Mark uh, 16, 15. He asks his disciples, but who do you say I am? You know, a huge part of evangelism isn't just memorizing scripture. It's just interacting with people, talking, like loving them enough to go, hey, have you ever thought about this? <laughs> like just, just, just to talk. Jesus loved people authentically, Right? Go through that list, uh, wh whether that was Mary, whether that was Martha, whether that was Lazarus, whether that was Peter. Uh, the, the, the people of Jerusalem, Jesus loved them so much, he's, he's weeping on, his, on, his, on, on what's supposed to be one of his best days. He's weeping as he goes into Jerusalem because uh, he, he cares. He loves the people so much, and they have missed him. He's weeping. By the way, he loves you. 
right? He loves you. Jesus died on the cross because he loves you. He just loves people. And, and, and church, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Unless we start valuing people again, and, and hear me, COVID made this so much worse. We, we're suddenly afraid of people. We are afraid of people. And, and the other hard truth, we don't, we'd rather say we're afraid of people. The truth is, we don't like people. Right? Come on. People annoy you. All right? Guess what? Try to be God for a day. How do you think that one works? You know what I'm saying? God, you, you could take Paul and God is up on his throne going, God, I don't want to strangle you. I don't because I'm gracious. I love you, but you drive me nuts. Dude wrote half the New Testament, right? We, if we're, if we're honest, it's not just that we might be afraid of people or afraid of getting sick. If we're honest, what happened during COVID is we got a really good excuse to not do what we know God calls us to do, which is to love people, which is the only way that the kingdom comes, right? It's the only way that people get in is by hearing the gospel, right? The, G, like the kingdom has been inaugurated. It's here, but it's not yet fully here. And I'm just here to tell you, if you don't love people, they're not going to hear the gospel. And so at some point, Christians, we got to stop choosing to rest and, and, and by the way, excusing ourselves and go, well, it's just easier. You got to get with people. You got to love people and, and here's, here's my best argument for it. Okay, so here's my best argument. I'll use me. What if I love somebody, and I'm around people, and I get really sick and I die? Okay? Like, if that happened. But it was out of love. I'm going to submit to you, did I not just walk in the footsteps of my Lord and Savior? Right? Out of love, willing to give up my life if it comes to that for somebody else. Y'all, listen. Heaven is real, but so is hell. And we have to start loving people again. It is, it is that crucial. So not only did Jesus love them, he welcomed them. Uh, it, which is astounding, right? Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm eating with you. And the religious folks are like, are you kidding me? Hey, can I ask you a question? When's the last time that your church friends were uh, upset at who you were hanging out with? Oh, it doesn't happen, right? Because church folk only hang out with church folk. Hard to reach the loss when you don't know any of y'all. I love you. But it is. And by the way, Jesus did that and he never sinned, okay? So just, just know, I'm not saying, hey, go, go do what they do. I'm saying, hey, go be where they are. Go love them. Like, it's possible to go to a party and have a drink and not 12. It's possible. It's possible to go be a light in the darkness. It's possible. Because Jesus was, and he said we are. Right? So Jesus welcomed people. Just saying, he says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Jesus was welcoming. Luke 19, 5 through 6, again, Zacchaeus, hurry up, come down. Today it's necessary for me to eat with you. And the religious folks were shocked. Uh, Jesus facilitated good conversations. We studied the woman of the well last week, uh, but you could go through the gospel. Jesus has so many good conversations. And I, I, what I love about Jesus is they came out of just everyday life, right? So, so, so he, could, he could be out with the disciples walking around, and he says, hey, look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And I tell you, don't labor or spend, yet your father feeds them. Right? Just out of, out, out of just walking with the disciples and sees the grapevines. He said, hey, I'm the vine. 
You're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do no- Guys, there are spiritual conversations waiting to be had all around you. All around you. Uh, facilitate good conversations. Jesus served alongside people. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And, and he taught his followers to serve others. Right? And so uh, at one point, um, people are frustrated that Jesus is baptizing more people than John. The scripture actually says, but it wasn't Jesus. It was actually his disciples. Uh, When he feeds the 5,000, do you know who's handing out the food? Not Jesus. The disciples are serving alongside of his people. Jesus shared the good news of the kingdom with people. The kingdom is here. Repent. Be ready. The kingdom is near. I am he. Just something they did. And, and guys, listen, these are just little, tiny things. You say, Pastor, why do you share this with us? I share it with you because I am deeply afraid that the church today in America has believed that evangelism is something so unapproachable that they will never do it. And if you think evangelism is some big unapproachable thing, you'll never do any of the stuff we talked about. But this morning, I'm trying to tell you, what if it's not all the big stuff? It's just doing the little things well, right? Doing the little things well. So I want to remind you of our goal. Uh, Here it is. Every member, a missionary. That's the goal. Every member, a missionary. You say, uh, Pastor, how are we going to add 100 people? Again, if everybody brought one person, we are there. Everybody had one person in their life they were just investing in, right? We were there. So, so here's your only application this week. I want you to go home. I want you to start working on the small things necessary to share the good news. The small things, okay? And, and, and by the way, I gave you nine, not to overwhelm you. I gave you nine because some of you like options, okay? Now, if you are one of the people, come on, be honest. How many of you, it's overwhelming? Nine's too much, right? Come on, be honest. It's too much. You're like, you go, you go. You remember when they used to ask you at McDonald's if you wanted to supersize it, right? That was too much. Like, you've already asked, do you want this or do you want that? Do you want this? Do you want that? What size? Like, you've asked me too many questions. Give me food. Right? I'm the only one that ever said that? Come on, y'all. I'm the greatest sinner in the room. It's fine. Nobody else felt that way? Too many options. I just want it. <laughs> Start crying in the car. Um, it's just me. So if, if you think that list is too much, so I'm going to give you just a handful. I, I picked for me, I picked four. Just four things I, I wanted to focus on this week. Ready? Uh, noticing people. So I, I, I want to make it a point every day this week. For me, this may not be your list, but you just pick two or three, four, whatever. So me, I want to focus on noticing people's needs. Uh, I want to focus on praying for people every day. Okay? I want to focus on listening to people more than I talk to people. All right? And then I, I want to focus on loving people. That's it. So th- th- that's all I'm focused on. So you'll be like, well, you gave us nine. Well, I guess I failed the test. I'm going to work on those four because I'm going to believe that in doing those small things well, that I'm a step closer to more people coming into the kingdom. Does this make sense? Does anybody find some relief in this? That maybe evangelism is just sharing my story? Maybe evangelism is, is just doing these small things well? Anybody else, maybe the shield on, on the, the, the word evangelism has come down a little bit this morning? A little bit? Yeah? Okay? I can only see like two heads, yeah. The rest of you are like, why did we come? Right? Right? A little bit better. It is the great together mission of God. We're in it together. We all have a responsibility. It is not as hard as we have been making it out to seem. Let's get it done. All right? 
Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for loving us. Um, God, I pray in all this you would remind all of us, this is not about a church goal. This is about a biblical mandate. Like you said that we, your people, your church, we're going to be the method of delivery for the good news. This is, this is the, the great co-mission. And, and we all too often have made excuses. We've, we felt un, un, unqualified. We're just not doing it. When, when only 10% of your church is doing this, that's a problem. And, and Lord, I hope this morning that you do something in our heart. You let us know that the reason for that is, is maybe because we thought it was more than it's not. So uh, in simplifying it, God, give us the strength and the courage to be what we haven't been. Uh, help us be a light to those around us by doing the small things well. And as we focus on the small, I pray that you would bring about the big changes we pray for. In Jesus' name, amen.